0: And our next scripture is from Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles first, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. We'll hear a little bit more of that teaching and instructions in a second, but before we get into it, as uh, have any of you ever been on a short-term mission trip? Uh, Usually when you go on a short-term mission trip of some sort, uh you'll have some preparation meetings ahead of time. You'll meet together. You might have a small group of twelve or less or more depending on on the trip, kind of like this group that Jesus grabbed together. And maybe you'll you'll talk about some stuff. You'll prepare yourselves, orient yourselves to what you're going to be doing. And they those meetings usually all have some similar things in common. You might have like a well who are we going to be serving? Where are we going? What 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 are we going to do while we get there? What are we going to say to the people that we meet? What do we need to bring what's the packing list uh where are we going to be staying what's the lodging situation while we're there what are our general expectations and you know many trips have to raise support and so you might have support letters that you write or some other different way of gaining things what i found intriguing as i was preparing for the message today and reading through jesus's instructions here in matthew 10 it's all these bases He's preparing this small group of 12 uh, for this short-term mission trip that uh, they are about to take and go to different places. And so I want us to be thinking about that as we go. This is our second week uh, in this series reflecting on these five major teaching passages from Jesus that are found in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, And uh, let's get into it, right? So let me pray for us before we start. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the mission that you have given us, that as you have entered into our world to bring salvation and peace, the proclamation of your kingdom, that you have inaugurated the kingdom of God so that we can feel it in the here and now, even as we hope for the day when you will bring all things uh, back to rights. We thank you that you have invited us into that mission. As we listen to your first instructions to the 12 this morning, we pray that you might um, somehow speak to us things that can enliven, enlighten us, and empower us today. If you want to follow along with me this morning, you can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. That's where we will be at. Uh, I will have some summary statements available on the screen as we go. Um, some of the uh, the text I will read out loud some of it I'll be summarizing um, but so yeah I hope that you'll follow along with me as we read this point. Matthew chapter 10 he starts with this instruction to them uh, with who they're gonna be serving who is the mission field who and where He says that well, uh, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. I think it's important for us to note here. This, this is not a universal principle necessarily we know this because at the end of the gospel jesus gives the great commission we just read it this this morning in our adult bible study to make disciples of all nations and in the book of acts jesus gives instruction to the newly empowered disciples to begin in jerusalem and then take the gospel to samaria and then to the ends of the earth so we know that this instruction he's giving to the 12 right now it's a temporary for, for this moment here and now and it's just a strategy i would offer A really helpful strategy for them at this moment. For this group of Jewish men, the best first step was for them to go to the places where they fit in, to leverage those relationships. And even later, as they start moving outward, they use the same principle in the early church. When we see the Apostle Paul, every time he went to a new town, do you remember where he would start? In the synagogue. He would go to the people that he knows. Then he'd meet people in the marketplace. He worked as a tent maker. And then he'd work his way to bringing the gospel into the public. So there's a a practicality to Jesus' statements here. His statement here isn't uh, about who's not worthy to hear the gospel. That's not what he is saying here. But it's a ministry strategy for some followers who are very new to this, these 12 disciples, and very new to reaching a world where. he knows that even some of the people who should get it are still very lost so he's sending them out He's that basically saying start with the people you know and understand don't make it harder for yourself than it needs to be go to the towns where people think pretty close to the way that you do and reach them first there's another important implication in this instruction as well and that's that there are religious people people who know and claim belief in the Living God who are nonetheless lost we know that there are Christians even today, people who have been churched all their lives, who still are in need of hope, uh, still are in need of encouragement. So if the mission field is for everyone, you we know, might still wonder, where do we start? Especially if we are new. And that Jesus seems to direct his newbies to start in this place and work their way out. And I think that's helpful instruction for us. As we think about who are the people that we know what are the people that we are like, that we are comfortable with? What are these natural circles of influences that we run in? What are the particular groups of people that we have a voice in that other people don't? Uh, my friend, Dustin White, who's a church planner in the uh, uh, Canton area. Now he is actually out in Wyoming um, and uh, he does fly fishing. And he loves fly fishing. So he's able to use that as a, a way to create relationships with people and share the gospel with them in that way. He did the same sort of thing in Canton where he would start these groups uh affinity groups of like people who like to go biking they'd start a cycling club and then they'd serve together uh kind of bringing these little hot dog carts all on the backs of their bikes to go and serve people in the neighborhood and so he had people who loved to bike and they loved to serve they didn't necessarily know Jesus but they were like we'd love to serve our community so they started gathering around this shared mission and project he, 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 Shared that affinity with them and was able to use that as a bridge point. What are the bridge points that you have in your mind that you can use? Right? You don't have to start with just inviting someone to a Bible study. That's usually the first thing that comes to our minds when we think about reaching people. Well, I gotta either invite them to church or invite them to a Bible study, something overtly Christian, right? But you can just start with where are the natural bridge points that you have. Leverage those relationships over shared interest, connection we're the easiest closest people you know that need to hear the good news of Jesus start there but then well, you've started there well, what am I supposed to say what am I supposed to do here's our mission oh, okay. mission mission and message he tells the twelve as you go proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received. Um, I think I, maybe I've mentioned this to some people before. I, I love to play music, and I also love to write music, uh, to write my own songs. And I, I someone gifted me a book at one point called Writing Better Lyrics, and it had a whole bunch of different um, exercises and advice for people. And one of the things that was so uh, practical and helpful in that was that the author was, was suggesting that you write song lyrics need to show before you tell so the best songs and the best poetry even are uh, the ones that paint a picture for you to inhabit and step into before they just tell you what they're trying to tell you right you can make someone feel a certain way or remember uh the colors of the, the sky or what someone was wearing it helps you to step into the moment and anchor yourself in something real and then tell them something that matters. I think Jesus is kind of doing that with the disciples here right now. He's saying something similar, telling the disciples to prove that their claim that the kingdom of heaven is near is true by showing people that is true by healing, by changing hearts, by working for freedom and cleansing, literally casting out demons. It's, it's one thing for these twelve disciples to go into somewhere new and start saying the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of heaven is near. Right, but when they are demonstrating what the kingdom of heaven looks like—the freedom, the healing that it offers—all of a sudden it becomes concrete for people. The message of the gospel doesn't have to be complicated; it's pretty simple. That Jesus is Lord; that His kingdom is here; it's nearness to us, and it means life, healing, wholeness, forgiveness. It means uh, restoration to broken lives. It's good news. And we can seek to show that message with action. Sometimes it might look like miraculous healings and, and casting out demons that did for the, the 12 disciples here, but God also equips us in very practical, non supernatural ways as well. You can think of many Christian doctors or nurses or medical professionals who use their skills to bring healing to people in different contexts. People in construction who can help provide homes in new places, chaplains or legal professionals helping those who have been wrongly imprisoned to give them hope where they are the point is to use the gifts and the authority at our disposal that god has given us natural and spiritual to make tangible the gospel message that we proclaim with our mouths none of those actions are the good news themselves right Healing, whether supernatural or medical it's great but it is not the gospel freedom from oppression Being lifted out of poverty; those are wonderful things, but those aren't the gospel in and of themselves. They're all pointers to the reality of the kingdom of heaven being brought near and made real in our midst. It's the answer to the prayer, "Your kingdom come; it will be done here on earth." But so often, whenever I pray that prayer with us, especially during our times uh, uh, getting ready for fellowship time, I'll say, "Lord, if there's any ways that you can prepare us." To be your that. Jesus' lordship made manifest. It means that all evil and brokenness will be conquered. And so when we see those things happen in small ways, it points to the nearness of God's kingdom coming in fullness. Right? Amen? Right? <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. So, maybe we're getting an idea of the kinds of things to say. Not the necessarily the specific things, but as we pray for people, as we know... This person who, who I work with, or was my neighbor, has a, a, an, a relative who's sick. Hey, I have a God who, who can heal. I have a God who can comfort in the middle of that. Can I pray for you? We talk with someone who's sharing with us that they're dealing with just difficulty in a broken relationship. Hey, I have a God who comforts. comfort. I have a God who actually helps us to reconcile with others. Can I pray for you? Can help you make sense of this? These are ways we can make this tangible for people. But if we know kind of who we're going to talk to, where we're going to go, what, what do we bring? What's our packing list? Don't. That's what Jesus says. He says to the disciples, Don't get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. He says, don't bring anything but the clothes on your back. Here's hoping that none of the 12 disciples were type A personalities, right? Uh, like I said, if you've been on a mission trip before, you, you know that there's probably uh, a few people in the group, at least, who are very attentive to the packing list and the directions. They want to make sure they have everything that they need, uh, that they're, they're going to be okay. But Jesus says, don't bring extra stuff because you are worth being taken care of. going to be provision for you now this one uh, particular one I I would say is really pretty contextual he's giving them a specific mission uh, specific things here um, that don't need to be true every time that we go out on a mission trip like this but I will suggest two reasons why this is actually very practical advice easy the first is that stuff is distracting when you have a lot of things um, it's it's easy to be worried about those things that you have Uh, whatever I was doing mission work with uh, YWAM Las Vegas. They would always use this uh, example of uh, this passage to talk about why when you go out on an outreach, don't bring anything with you. Leave it back at the base or or somewhere where it's safe. Don't bring your wallet, don't bring your phone, don't bring anything valuable with you. Because if you do, you're gonna be worried about like pickpocketing and other stuff along the way. If you don't have it on you, you don't have to worry about it being taken, right? And so there's a practicality, I think, to Jesus' instruction here to the disciples. They don't have to be as afraid of someone mugging them on the way if they don't have anything to be mugged for, right? Uh, There's, he knows, he says later he's going to send them out like uh, lambs among wolves. This is a practical way to help keep them less distracted and more safe. But second, also, relying on others, it helps combat the lie that we're doing this out of our own strength. We make sure that we have all the things that are going to make us successful on this trip. We can fool ourselves into believing that we're somehow doing this by our own means of making ourselves prepared enough. You might be able to afford your own stuff, and maybe you're even carrying it all yourself and finding your own place to stay. But you leave your stuff behind. You discover the blessing freed from your own possessions and even freed from your own ego like i said this teaching won't be true of every uh, outreach venture that jesus might call us into but what does apply to us i think is the reminder that this call to simplicity as christians it isn't just about being different for the sake of being different simplicity for us as christ followers is about the freedom from worry about freedom from worry about our stuff and about a transformative trust in god's This same trust goes into his instructions to them about uh, their lodging situation. He tells them, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. Stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that town. Shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. He is essentially saying, you know, just like ask around and find someone who will take you in. And if they welcome you, great. And stay there as long as you can, the whole time, preferably. Don't skip around. And if they don't, don't take it personally. That's on them. That's my cleaned up version of that. And I might also call it the CIV, Corey's informal version. Uh, but this builds off of that earlier principle that Jesus has given to start with the people that you know and work your way outward. In ministry uh, training, especially in mission work, they will often talk about finding a person of peace, uh, finding someone who, who uh, um, is a, a natural person you feel welcome to, who's offering you peace, who's welcoming you into their relational circles, who's offering hospitality, maybe even who has some sort of reputation and standing, who's able to help. Uh, Help you find some sense of, uh, of recognition with others. trust. So this advice is actually not just about where they should stay. It's also pertinent for who we interact with. And uh, when we are out and about, again, going back to the Las Vegas training, we would also say when we're out there talking to people, that you didn't have to rush between one person to another. You can get this idea in your head. Okay, if I'm dedicating this amount of time to go out and try to pray for people or, or share the gospel with someone, then I, I want to get as many people in in that block as, as I can. How many people can I pray for? How many people can I share the gospel with? we would say, oh, someone is a, it's offering you their attention and relationship. Sit there in that. Let you offer yourself offer your peace and your presence with that person and see what God does Put the time there because the Holy Spirit will move through that, um, that relationship. The same is true of our everyday lives. We should focus our efforts on building relationships. As we work with the people who are in our network already, we don't have to feel like we need to skip over them because someone else might be more important. But to really offer our presence and our attention to the people in our lives. We don't have to be weird about it, right? Some, something we can do as Christians when we think about sharing the gospel is we make it much harder than it needs to be. Uh, Jesus doesn't tell the disciples to ask people if they wanna hear the good news about the kingdom. you ever heard about this Jesus guy. He kind of assumes that people want to hear good news because he knows that people are experiencing brokenness. It's a pretty easy assumption for us to make in the world. We know that the world is broken. People experience pain points all the time. We can already assume that people uh, know about that. All we have to do is get to know people and share with them about how God's kingdom can meet the needs in their life. We pray for people who share about sick relatives. We can offer the good news of adoption into God's family with someone who uh, who shares that they often feel alone or they feel uh, like they don't belong. We can share a meal with someone who's hungry. It's very practical. The common denominator here is that it requires more than a surface-level conversation. It requires our time to be present, get beyond small talk. And I think that's also part of the secret in Jesus' charge to the disciples to stay in people's homes, to rely on their help. It forces them to spend time with other people, to humble themselves enough to ask for help as well, to offer the hope of the gospel we likewise can humble ourselves we can treat others with dignity we can build relationships with new people and offer real hope in the gospel not just a canned message that we've memorized it's at this point that jesus launches into the longest section of his teaching offering some tips about what they can expect on their journey and honestly it kind of reads like a uh, the worst possible locker room speech that a coach could give he's not super encouraging and about what to expect. He basically says this, and I'm paraphrasing I'm sending you out with a message of hope and compassion to a world that operates on neither of those things. It will be dangerous. You will experience rejection, sometimes even violent responses. It will probably even complicate relationships with your own families. If it's happened to me, it'll probably happen to you. You can almost sense the 12 at this point, waiting for the big turnaround here. like yeah but if we do this we'll also see a lot of people come to faith right well we thought well of because of what we told them right Jesus just keeps on going they might even kill you but hey it's better than you rejecting God and losing your soul Jesus says I didn't come to bring peace but a sword he's not saying he wants violence here but he's saying that he's come to challenge the status quo as long as we live in a world with sin and brokenness proclaiming the hope and truth of jesus will be met with resistance from people who oppose both of those things sometimes that opposition can even come from other christians i know of missionary friends who have felt strongly the call to uh to go and share the gospel in really dangerous places uh, to go into other countries and they've had that affirmed by other people in their life but their parents were very against the decision parents who were believers themselves but any parent also wants their kids to be safe right and so uh, i have known friends who par- whose parents have stopped talking to them who have almost completely cut off relationship with them because they were just against that decision that i can't get behind jesus doesn't sugarcoat this teaching for the disciples or for us because he doesn't want us to be unprepared He wants us to count the cost to know what could happen. The funny thing is, despite our culture being increasingly post-Christian, we still live in a very Christian friendly world, especially in Ohio, right? There are people around the world literally being murdered because they are Christians, just like the first disciples. Many of us Christians in the US are afraid of sharing our faith also though, but usually for different reasons. We're afraid that someone might be mildly irritated or look at us sideways uh, whenever we do it. The good news is that Jesus will be with us. He will help us. We might get rejected because of our faith, and it could very well get worse for us in our country. But just like Jesus said to the disciples, he says the same to us. Don't fear that. Welcome it with more love and truth. He experienced the same sort of rejection, and he promises that he will be here with us even when it gets more difficult. The good news is that he's with us, and also we can expect that there will be others who will support us as well. Last bit, he offers about support. Uh, um, I always thought that this uh, last section would be really interesting to put in an actual support letter uh, to people who ask for support. that sounds a little bit different if you write it in your own support letter, right? And you're saying, hey, if you support me, God will certainly reward you uh, with, with all of these things and more. It might sound a little bit full of it when you're writing it about yourself. But it is an encouragement for us, both when we are asking for support from others and even when we are giving support to other people as well. Jesus cares about support that is offered to his, love, to his beloved, especially those who are making real risk to go out and to serve his kingdom if we find ourselves unable to to go out and spread the gospel ourselves directly we can at least support people who can we can host missionaries in our home we can support others with our finances with prayer with delicious food uh, i have been in the past before whenever i was writing support letters asked if at least send cookies even if you can't <laughs> send any money right do what, whatever you can to help and encourage those who do step out in boldness. And After all this, Jesus does send out the disciples, right? He sent them out for mission. And if you remember, I, I don't believe it, it shares in Matthew's gospel, uh, but uh, it shares in the other gospels when they return, what happens. Anyone remember? They do it. They do the thing. They come back and they say, Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. We, it worked we did it he celebrates with them he's like I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heavens he celebrates with them what happened and they keep doing throughout his ministry their ministry with him, in the Gospels and the book of Acts and afterwards sometimes they have great success stories other times they flounder a bit and get confused sometimes Jesus even gets frustrated with the lack of faith or their lack of progress but they do it learn and they grow and when the time comes after Jesus accomplishes the unthinkable through the cross and the resurrection he ascends to the father to prepare a place for us and he entrusts the spread of the gospel to these 12 to the church to us the church grows he believed in believes in us today so May we go and proclaim that Jesus is near with our actions and with our words to make it plain. May we humble ourselves and build, build real relationships with people. May we embrace hardship with hope, with compassion, and may we trust the Lord and look to our brothers and sisters for support. Lord, we are so thankful that you are good. that it is through you that we do experience the good news and that we can offer it in hope and faithfulness to others we pray lord that as we leave this place today that we might feel appropriately challenged but also invigorated in life that our eyes might be open to the opportunities all around us to share hope to share uh, truth of, of, of life with you restored life to family members, to friends, to co workers, to neighbors, to acquaintances, that through our lives and our actions and our words, that other people might come to know you. I know, Lord, for myself, I sometimes uh, can struggle with this like, well, doesn't everyone know already? It's this way that I can fool myself into complacency. You know, I know. There are so many times that I need reminded. That I need to hear your hope. I'm a pastor, Lord. So we know that there are those who just need, need to hear you, your truth, your hope, your comfort, your encouragement. May we be that voice. May we be those hands and feet. May we share the truth of your kingdom beyond these church walls. May we see your kingdom come in your will, God, here on earth.